Ah, so good to have you guys here this morning. I'm excited that you're here. One thing I want to share with you before we jump into uh, today's message is this. This coming Saturday, we've got such a fun time planned. Uh, it is our, uh, it's our Harvest Fest, and there's a card in the back. And this card is actually an invitation. It's not just, it's not a reminder for you. It's an invitation for you to take to somebody who's on your circle of seven. Somebody that you've been talking to about, hey, you know what, um, you, you, you've been building a relationship with, and this would be an op awesome opportunity to say, hey, why don't you come with me and check out this concert? It's pretty much all we're doing. We're going to have a great concert. It's going to be a fantastic time. We're going to have food here, food trucks. It is going to be amazing. So do me a favor. Make sure that you're not just there by yourself, but you bring a friend. It's an awesome opportunity to extend the love of Jesus to somebody that you've been, uh, that you've been building a relationship with. That's this coming Saturday, October 2nd, right here at Lighthouse, and the invitations are on the back table. I also want to mention to you that um, when you were walking in, you should have received one of these communion cups and wafers. Um, we're doing these right now still because of COVID precautions, and so each one is individually wrapped. You should have grabbed one of these on your way in, and hope you did. If you didn't, then during the message at some point, you can just get up, go grab one, and sit back down again, okay? So I have a lot to cover today, and uh, we're going to jump right into this. And um, it is going to be a, a fantastic morning as we continue this series, Unleashed, talking through the book of Acts, talking about the unleashing of the Holy Spirit on the church and in us. And it's been a fantastic time so far. Now, I have been to Egypt four different times. And if there's a way we can figure out why this bad boy right here didn't work, and that'd be fantastic. But Islam's believe that Christians um, worship three gods. That we worship three gods. And I know some of you are going, well, how, three, what? No, we don't worship three gods. But they look at it because we worship God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That we actually worship three gods. And you and I know that that is not true. But it's understandable when you think about it. Pretty soon we're going to have the Lions game right up here. And, no, I'm kidding. No one wants to watch that. But anyway, uh, uh, but it's kind of understandable <laughs> when you think about it uh, that they could, they could misunderstand, that it could be misunderstood that we worship three gods. Three in one. Three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. The Trinity. And we don't talk about this very much. And so today we are. We're going to spend some time talking about the theology and the doctrine of the Trinity. And I know all of you are going, whoa, I'm glad I came to church today. We're talking doctrine. We're talking theology. But I'm going to tell you right now, it is critically and vitally important that we understand what we believe. Okay, And the reason we're doing this is because Luke talks about the Trinity and reveals the Trinity throughout the book of Acts. In fact, you have to go back to Luke, which is what we're going to do today. You have to go back to Luke to see what he's talking about when he talks about the Trinity. And so my goal today is to take thousands of years, thousands of years of writing 
and debates and conversations and pages and pages and hundreds and thousands of pages of, of books that have been written on the Trinity and to take all of that and bring it down into a 30-minute talk, wrap it up with a bow and we can head out, okay? And I know some of you who have any thought and insight about the Trinity, you're looking at this going, good luck, buddy, okay? So as I prepared for this message, I had a few different resources that I spent a lot of time and I depended on. Three different resources. I don't know if we've got these on the screen. But uh, uh, the resources that, we, that I used were The Mystery of the Holy Spirit by R.C. Sproul. Uh, and then Kevin Myers, the pastor of 12 Stone Church in, uh, outside of Atlanta, Georgia, did a fantastic message on what do Christians believe about the Trinity. And a lot of what I'm talking about today comes directly from that talk by Kevin Myers. And then also Forgotten God by Francis Chan. And in a few weeks, we're going we're gonna to start, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to take that off-ramp that I told you about in the beginning. And, and, uh, and we're going to talk about, we're going to spend some time talking about the Holy Spirit. These two books, The Mystery of the Holy Spirit and Forgotten God, both of them fantastic resources that I am using for those talks as well. And so today, in order to truly understand what is happening in Luke's account in Acts, we have to go back and understand what he's talking about in his original biography, or as he calls it, his account of Jesus and all that Jesus did in the aptly book named Luke, okay? And in that, we get the first glimpse in the very first chapter of Luke, we see the Trinity exposed even before Jesus comes on the scene. Now, before I dive into this, I want to pray. I, I, I know, I know some of you are going, doctrine, theology, man, I wish I had brought a pillow. But you should be excited about this. Because it leads to a love relationship with God. And you're going to see how in just a moment. But let's bow our heads and let's pray, okay? And here's what I want to do. I'm going to give just a moment of silence for you to pray. Just between you and God. Just say, God, in this moment, reveal yourself to me. That is our heart's prayer today. Father, as we have sung together, as we have greeted each other, masked or unmasked, as we have... Uh, as we give tithes and offerings as a mode of worship. Right now, we open our hearts and pray that you would speak to us. Reveal yourself to us, I pray. Father, I, I, I want to move out of the way. I, I want to I do everything I can to share what you have given to me and nothing else. Bless this time, I pray. In the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, for your glory, Father. Amen. So, in chapter 1 of Luke, we see it's kind of the, it's the, the chapter of birth announcements, right? At the beginning of chapter 1, we kind of get some insight and and God reveals that um, he's going he's gonna to give a child to a couple who, who are very old. Very old. 
and that child's name is John the Baptist. It's a great time. And then it moves on, and, and, and the angel of the Lord appears to Mary and says, Mary, greetings most high, you who are favored by the Lord. And the angel tells her that she is going to have a baby. And, and, she's like, and she's like, what? How can that be? In fact, this is what she replies. How, how will this be, Mary asks the angel, since I am a virgin? A whole different theological discussion that we need to have at another time, okay? But Mary asks a great question. She says, How, how's this going to happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel answers this way. And it's the first time in the book of Luke that we see that we see the Trinity. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Boom, right there. In chapter 1, we see in Luke the revelation of the Trinity. The angel of the Lord answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High, the Father, will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in that one verse, we are introduced to the Trinity of God. But what is the Trinity? How does the Trinity work? Why does me knowing the Trinity matter? What is the purpose? Of, how does it, you know, God in three persons? How does that work? And those are all great questions. And to be honest with you, I, we're not going to nail down anything today. Okay, you're not going to walk out of here going, man, that was packaged nicely, bow on top. No, no. Thousands of years of discussion about this topic. My hope and my goal is to help to begin to facilitate the understanding of the truth of who God is so that you can grow closer to him through this. Okay? Now, I want to start out by talking about what the Trinity is not. Okay? Because we, in our human nature, we have tried so hard to come up with ideas of what three and one is, what the Trinity is. And God is not an egg, okay? It's not like the shell, the yolk, the white, okay? That God is not like an egg. God is not like a three-leaf clover. You know, you've got, you've got three branches, and they're all connected to one stem, okay? God is not, God's not like H2O, where you've got water, and then you've got ice, and you've got mist. God is not like that. God is indescribable. We cannot describe God. The understanding of the three in one, the trinity of God, it, it, it's so far above us. But before we dive in any farther on the trinity, let, let me just say this. I understand why some people have a hard time with Christianity. The reason being that they see Christianity as a, as, as a religion of rules, right? Do this. Thou shalt not do that. And they see that all of these rules are a precursor, precursor to a relationship. You got to do all of these different things and then you can have God. But that is so far from the truth. That is not who God is. That is not who Jesus is. That is not the, 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 the way that things roll with God. In fact, all you have to do is look at Scripture. Look at what Jesus said in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. You know who the world is? It's you. That's right, Marilyn. Marilyn, raise your hand. Marilyn is the world. Dave, you're the world. 
Jeff, you're the world, okay? Katie, you're the world, all right? You, you, for God so he loves you. Love requires not rules, but a relationship, okay? In John 17, 3, Jesus said, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent, that they know you, that you have a relationship, a knowledge, a working knowledge of God, okay? In John 17, 11, and 21, it says that they may be one, this is Jesus praying for us, that they may be one as we are one, that all of them may be one, that oneness. For those of us who are married, we understand the idea, at least uh, for those of us who are married in the church, we understand the biblical idea of oneness, that, G- that in Genesis, it talks about the man and the woman will come together and they will be one, and Jesus reaffirmed that marriage concept when he, he, he affirmed that in Matthew and said the two shall come together and become one, that God wants to be one with us. Amen. It requires a relationship. Now, if you think about it, if you, talking about marriage, if you would have known the rules to marriage before you got married, you may not have got married, right? If somebody had told me the rules of marriage when I was like in high school or in college, I might not have gotten married. I mean, there's some really good, like the rule of the bathroom. She rules the bathroom. That's the rule, right, guys? I mean, all these rules are pretty much for us, okay? Put the seat down. Always. All right? This is not your dorm room. The next rule of the closet. You share the closet. She gets 80% and your share is 20%, okay? That's not true in ours. I knew it. I knew you were leaving. That's not true in ours. But we'll move on. The rule of bed making. The bed gets made every day, right? The bed gets made every single day, all right? There's no benefit to this because we're just going to mess it up later. And the corollary to that is all of the pillows on the bed. What are they there for? You can't mess with them. You can't have pillow fights with them because they're decorative. Okay. The rule of money. You get none. It all goes to the marriage and family. The rule of sleep. You get none. Your kids take up all your time. They wake you up all the time and they go to bed and keep you up. The rule of privacy, you get none. Your kids come into your room anytime they want and yell at you when you go into theirs. The rule of having nice stuff, no nice stuff. Right? All right? The kids will vomit on the couch. The dog rips and tears things. All right? The rule of vacation, you don't get one. It's their vacation. I just come back exhausted and have to work again to start building up money for the next vacation. The rule of free time, you get no free time because you're owned, okay? Rules, if, we, if I had known all of these rules, I'm not sure I would have gotten married. But then I met Sean. Saw her in the airport in San Diego, California. And I went, whoo, hot diggity dog. I don't think I said that. I think I said something way cooler than that, right? Okay, but man, I saw her. And we built up this relationship. And then we got married because we love each other. And out of that love relationship, we produced three incredible daughters, one of which is here this morning. Out of that relationship. 
And now, all of a sudden, all of those rules are acceptable. All of those rules now make sense, right? Because of that. My kids came from a loving relationship, and therefore they are in a love relationship. And my friends, that is Christianity in the nutshell. We were created from a relationship of love for a relationship of love. When it comes to you and God, you were created. You were created from a relationship of love for a relationship of love. Anything less than that distorts who God revealed himself to be in Scripture. Jesus didn't come to die for a set of rules. Thank you, Marilyn. There should have been way more. I mean, because as Americans, we don't like rules. Jesus didn't come to die for a set of rules. Jesus came to restore a relationship. Primarily, your relationship with God. My relationship with God. And my friends, this, this thought is foundational to faith in God through Jesus Christ. It's like a house built on rock, okay? It's like a house built on rock. And while the waves of society crash against it and the winds of culture howl against it, that house of faith will not fall. It will stand because it's built on rock, Okay, and the foundation I build my faith on determines whether my faith stands against culture or falls against the waves and the wind of society. The Trinity is a foundational truth of God, of who God is and who we are. And early on, the church actually had a problem. There was, there was trouble in River City in the early church when they started talking about God and the three in one. So much so that in 325, a council gathered, gathered together in a place called Nicaea, the Nicaean Council. They got together because there were problems that there were people who were beginning to deny that Jesus Christ is a person within the Trinity. They began to deny his divinity. In fact, they began to talk about the fact that Jesus might have been created. And they began to, to knock down the pillars and the piers. They began to chip away at the bedrock of the foundation of who God is in the Trinity. And so the council took the roughly 874,000 words that make up the Bible... And they brought them together and summarized them in 271 words. And this is the creed, if you will read along with me. You don't have to read out loud. We believe in one God, the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. 
On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He is spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, catholic, and apostolic church. Let me just stop there for a second. When the, when, and many of you know this because we talk about this. But when it says catholic, it's not the catholic denomination. It's not, you know, the Hail Mary full of grace church. That's not. Catholic here means universal. Say universal. That's what it means. We believe in one holy, you can substitute, universal and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen. So here's the thing. The major- that, that is an incredible creedal statement. Something that is foundational to what we believe. Written in 325 because there was the beginnings of rumblings of who is Jesus and what is the Trinity. And so they believed that it needed to be defined and set down so that we understood exactly who God is and who the Trinity is and who's part of the Trinity. In fact, they came together. The majority purpose of them coming together was for this paragraph right here. Defining, acknowledging Jesus as divine and as deity. That the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That they coexisted, they're co-eternal and co-creative. One God in three distinct persons. And if you've never heard of the theology of the Trinity, boy, are you in luck because we're going to spend the next seven or eight minutes talking about the theology. And I hope you're, are you excited? Come on, are you excited? This is incredible, okay? The Trinity, talking about the Trinity and the love relationship that's within that Trinity that shows itself in you, okay? So let's talk about the theology of the Trinity. God revealed himself over time. He revealed himself in the Old Testament as the Father. And then we see as the prophets began to talk about the Messiah who was to come that would be the Son of God. And throughout the Old Testament, you see sightings of the Holy Spirit. And then we move into the New Testament. And in the New Testament, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, comes on the scene, fully God, fully human, God with us. And then he sends out the Holy Spirit. After Jesus' death and resurrection, he sends the Holy Spirit to empower the church, to empower you and me to live this life, to bring glory to God, and to send out the good news throughout the world. So you get this picture of God revealing himself And this revelation is now complete. In fact, you can look all the way back to Genesis. And you can begin to see it. Where it says, then God said, let who? Say it. Let us. Let us make mankind in what? Our image. In our likeness. The Hebrew word there is plural. Elohim. 
it means more than two. Ah, interesting, right? So we see it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And if you were back then, if you were living back then and you heard that Hebrew word, you would look at it and go, God's doing something here. God's moving here. What's going on? Okay? And so then God reveals himself in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So who is Jesus? Well, it says in John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, which is another name for Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, a pretty definite descriptor of who Jesus is. Was with God, was God, and was with God in the beginning. Okay? It says, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus' life didn't begin when Mary birthed him in Bethlehem. It didn't start. Jesus was already, he lived in eternity as part of the Trinity. He was already alive, and he voluntarily left heaven to come to earth to take on flesh and have blood. He is fully God and fully man. In fact, Jesus called himself, you ready for this? Jesus called himself God. There's no denying who Jesus made himself out to be. He claimed to be God. And this aggravated the Jews so much because Jesus used a specific word for who he was. It's called the tetragrammaton. The te say tetragrammaton. Okay, the tetragrammaton is the name for God that God gave to himself. And maybe you've seen it before. It's uh, Y-H-W-H. We pronounce it Yahweh. That name is so sacred that the Jews won't even say it. And for the ones who will, when they say it, they whisper it. Yahweh. It is so sacred. And Jesus claimed to be that God. <gasps> Yahweh. And the Jewish religious leaders were so angry by this, as they should have been in their minds, because this is blasphemy, that this man is claiming to be God. They wanted to kill him. It says this in John 5, 18, for this reason, they tried all the more to kill Jesus. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So how does it work? How, how does this Trinity work? One God in three persons. Well, I, I'm going to show you a diagram that will help us to kind of have a better idea. And throughout the ancient church, they would use a diagram like this. Now, Michael cleaned it up for me and made it look modern to this day, but this is basically what they would use, okay? We look at this diagram and we see that God is the center. God, there is one God. Say one God. There is one God. One God. And you can see that the Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. The three of them make God. Not that, you know, they're, they're one God, but there are three distinct persons in one God. Not, not, not the expressions of God. Let's not confuse that, okay? It's not like, you know, Doug Swink. Doug is uh, a pastor. Doug is a husband. And Doug is a father. It's not like that. 
three distinct persons, okay? Three different persons of the same being. Now you go to the outside and you look at it. The Father is not the Son. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Son is not the Father or the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not the Son or the Father. They are three distinct persons in one Godhead. One God, not three. One God, not three. Say that with me. One God, not three. One God. Is that, is that mind-blowing a little bit? Is that, is it, are you kind of getting it? You parents, you can probably take this home now and just teach it to your kids, right? All right. One God, not three. And I'll admit it. I'll admit I will gladly admit it to you. It's pretty complex. It's pretty complex. But it's why Jesus would say in the Great Commission, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of who? Father. And the Father. And the and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I will be with you always. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So there you go. You just got some teaching on the Trinity. How about that? Now you got a little bit of gravitas to your spiritual understanding right there. And I know, I know that it's deep and I know that it's complex and somewhat hard to grasp. And if you don't comprehend it, you are in good company. In fact, I, I, I sometimes I struggle to grasp onto all of this. And I really do kind of just lean into what John Wesley said. John Wesley said, bring me a worm that can comprehend a man. And then I'll show you a man who can comprehend the triune God. That's how it is, right? I get that it's. I get that it's hard. I get that it's complex, but it's so important. It's why the Nicene Council would come together to put legs to what the, the, the Trinity really is, affirming the divinity of Jesus and that one God meant Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But I want you to hear this. I, I want you to listen to this. That it's, 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 it's not about understanding all of this it's not about understanding all of this what it is about is it's about walking in it it's not that i have to understand this but that i want to walk in this you don't have to understand it and be able to explain it with great skill listen i don't understand nuclear physics and i certainly can't explain it but i know it's there and i know it works Okay? I know that God is real. I know that the Trinity is there. And you and I, we, we don't have to make sense in trying to explain it to people who don't understand it. And trying to explain it to people who can't grasp the concept in something that we struggle to understand. It's not about understanding it. It's about receiving the invitation of the living God and walking with Him in that invitation and in that love. In other words, the Trinity matters. The Trinity matters. And here's why I'm going to share three things. Three reasons why the Trinity matters. The first reason is this. Because we can know the true God. We can know the true God. Anything less than the Trinity is false. 
Anything less than the Trinity is false, and it falls short. So let me illustrate it this way. I want to encourage you this week to try something. I want you to, to go to a friend. Can you see what this is? $100 bill. Who wants it? Who wants it? $100 bill. Man, I thought more people would raise their hands. Okay, I'm going to suggest you go to a friend, and you say to your friend, can I borrow $100? Can I borrow $100? I'll pay you back in a couple of days. I promise. I promise I'll pay you back in a couple of days, all right? And so your friend gives you the $100, right? And after a, a, a few days, you are faithful, and you come back, and you say, here you go. I'm going to give you back your $100. And I don't know if you can see that, but it's missing a zero, okay? And you go to your friend, you go, here you go, buddy. Thank you for the loan. And they go, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I gave you $100. You got to repay me. And you're like, you're like, yeah, I know. Here you go. This is a, you're like, that is not $100. And you go, hey, buddy, you have your truth, and I have my truth. And in my world, this is a $100 bill. Here you go. What's going to happen? Well, after you pick yourself up off the ground and wipe the blood off your mouth, okay, you're going to recognize and realize that all of that philosophical gobbledygook goes out the minute, out the window the minute you try and deceive them and cheat them. That's what happens. They don't appreciate the fact that you're using the same vocabulary but changing the dictionary definition. And that's what's happening in the world that we live in today. It is so hard to have conversations with people when we use the same words but we're speaking from a different dictionary. It's hard to have a conversation today because I don't know what some people are talking about even though we're using the same words. Let me give you some illustrations of what words that I'm talking about. For example, truth. Your truth, my truth. Marriage. Family. Compassion. Gender. COVID. Science. Justice. Tolerance. Equality. Jesus. When people use those words anymore, I don't know what they're saying. To be honest with you, when we talk about science today, follow the science, my first question is, which science? Am I right? Because there's so many sciences out there. It's hard to understand what those words mean. And when someone says Jesus, I have to start asking questions. I have to start asking questions about what they mean when they talk about Jesus. Because a lot of times their definition of Jesus is changing in order to fit their wishes and their ideology. But I'm going to tell you this. Jesus himself gave the definition of who he is. He said, I am who I am. I am God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. The reason the Trinity matters is because God reveals himself as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity in relationship. And we were created from that relationship of love for a relationship of love. And that is the truth about God. And people are redefining who Jesus is. 
And they're taking this $100 definition of who Jesus is and they're cheaping it and watering it down into a $10 definition that is a lie of who Jesus is. When you and I understand the Trinity truly, we can know the true God. The second thing, the second reason the Trinity matters is because we can enjoy being with him. When God came, he came as Emmanuel, God with us. God wants to be with us. It is in his character that God wants to be with you. He wants to be with us. And, I, and, and God's desire, there is not a person or a group of people who don't fit in with God. Did you hear that? There is not a person or a group of people who do not fit in with God. Because God's desire is to be with you and to be with us. God with us means we fit with God. We were created by him for relationship with him. And we fit with God. And there are some people who say, I, 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 if you, I can't make my background, my history, what I've done, who I am, where I come from. I did, I did, I did. And God says, no. your background is i want you to hear this there is no class or group of people that is outside of god's desire to be with there is no class or group of people that is outside of god's desire to be with listen to this catch this the church is the only place where we are all on a level playing field regardless of what you make, where you live, what your education is, what your occupation is, what your skin color is, what your age is. The ground is completely level at the foot of the cross. The ground is completely level at the feet of Jesus. God loves us all. And God wants to be with us all. We're all invited in. It's not something to comprehend. It's a relationship to engage. That's it. Part of the reason why the Trinity matters is because we can enjoy being with the one who loves us most and loves us best. And finally, the last thing as I wrap up, part of the reason why the Trinity matters is so we can engage all of God with all that we need. And this has become kind of personal to me because I have started praying in the Trinity. I've started praying to the Father in the name of the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's deeply meaningful and powerful to me. And, and, and you may not do that, and that's okay when you're praying to God. I recognize in that that God has certain roles. The Father, God is my Father, and I've been so blessed in my life to have a godly Father who loves me the way that God the Father loves me. But I know for some of you, you don't have that relation. You don't have that example. And so maybe for you today, it, it, it's incredible to think that there is a Father out there who loves you for who you are. And part of his role is to provide. The father's role is to provide, to provide for you. 
And there are times when I get in over my head, but I'm never over God's head. He's my provider. God the Father is my protector. I pray for my wife. I pray for my kids. I pray for our church that God will protect because I can't always be there. God the Father is our protector. God the Son, Jesus forgives. Jesus died on the cross so our sins could be forgiven. So that when I, when I mess up and I sin, I can go to the Father and say, I am so ashamed of what I've done. Please release me from the weight of guilt and shame. And you know what he does? He does that. The Son gives me peace. Jesus said that. My peace I leave you. Not as the world gives to you, but I give you my peace. And there is not a need for more peace today in this world than right now. And that peace comes from Jesus. You see the Holy Spirit. I pray in the Holy Spirit. He's our counselor. I can't tell you how often I pray that the Holy Spirit will be my wise counselor. I am not a very wise person. I need somebody to step in and give me wisdom. I, I pray and the Holy Spirit, Scripture calls the counselor that he comes and counsels me. And the Holy Spirit is the source of my strength. God is all that I need and more. And maybe you're in that place today. Maybe you're in that place where you need God. You need God's provision. You lost your job. You lost money. You lost, you lost a family member. And you are just say i need you god i need you to fill this need or maybe you've been walking around under the 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 weight of shame and you're saying really i can be right with god absolutely that's why jesus went to the cross he died for your sin and my sin that we could be face to face with the father for some of you today you realize that the reason you're here is because you needed to hear that you were accepted by God. That the ground is level at the cross. That God loves you and accepts you. And for some of us, maybe today, we came here to hear that we can engage God for all that we need. But I want you to know this, that the Trinity matters. One God in three persons so that you can have life everlasting. That's why he came. And God loves you. If you didn't hear anything today, and, and I'm going to tell you, if you're new here, if this is your first time here, this is not, I don't talk about doctrine all the time. I rarely talk about doctrine, okay? But this is important. It's important to our understanding of God. And as we move forward in the book of Acts, it's, it's incredibly important that we understand as we see the church begin to explode across the known world. My friends, if you didn't hear anything I said today, I want to make sure you hear this. That God, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God loves you. Amen. Deeply. And intimately, God loves you. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for this time together.
I thank you for that, the revelation, Lord. Even though it is so hard for our finite minds to comprehend the infinite God, it is so hard for our finite minds to comprehend the triune God. Three persons, one God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I don't have to comprehend it to recognize the relationship of love. And I thank you for that love, God, that, that would cause you to come to earth, to take on flesh and bone, to die an excruciating death in my place that was meant for me, and rise again so that one day I too will worship in glory. I will worship you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your wisdom and your power that helps me to live this life. Help us to live this life, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So three questions to follow up with, okay? Whoops-a-daisy, we went past my questions. Can we jump back there real quick? Is that possible? All right. So first question is, what is the Trinity and why is it important to our faith? As you're kind of debriefing this and talking about it, what is the Trinity and why is it important to our faith? Second question, do you know the true God? Do you know the true God? Not just know about him. Do you know him? And what's your proof? How do you know you know him? Okay. Third question, do you enjoy being with God? Do you enjoy being with God? And what does that look like? What does that look like to enjoy being with God? Would you stand up with me? And, uh, Certainly the greatest way for us to, to understand this expression of God's love is through communion. And as I said, that God would show his love, would show it, not just say it, but would show it by coming to earth and dying on the cross. And right before he died, he participated in the Passover meal, Jesus did, with his disciples. And he took that bread and he said, this blood is the, or this bread is the representation of my body, broken and bruised for you. Take it and eat. Every time you do, remember me. And then he took the cup and he passed it around. And he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood. Take it and drink. And every, do, every time you do, remember me. And so this morning, as, as you receive communion, as you take that top piece and you take that wafer out, that wafer of bread, and you hold it in your hand, remember what the triune God did to show his love for you. Remember that he died a gruesome death for you. And as you drink that cup, remember the blood that was shed for you. It is through the blood that our sins are forgiven. And give praise to God. This is a solemn moment as we remember, but it is filled with hope and joy. Because you were created out of a love relationship for a love relationship with God. 